Morning, King City. Thank you, Kilton. Uh, in preparing for my message today, I thought, how can you bring something that happened thousands of years ago, how can you bring that and bring it to be relevant today? Pharaoh, Egypt, slave labor. After spending some time in the Word, a beautiful picture came through. King City, as you know, we're going through a series in Exodus. Um, if you can, open your Bibles to chapter 5, verse 20. And let me just do a recap on where we are. There's a new pharaoh in Egypt. And he has, ensla he has enslaved the people and made things very hard for them. Moses flees Egypt and uh, starts a family in Midian. And God comes to Moses there in the desert and asks him to go back to Egypt and ask Pharaoh to release the people. Moses goes back with his family as God had asked to, to Egypt. On asking Pharaoh to release the Israelites, Pharaoh becomes very angry and makes things even harder for him, for, for the Israelites. And that's where we come to where we, the message is for today. Is there anyone out there who doesn't have trouble? When I was at school, I thought, whew, when I leave school and I start work, ah, things will be good. I'll be able to buy my own stuff. I'll be Oh, things will be good. It didn't happen. <laughs> there was trouble. Then I thought later on, when I find the perfect partner and get married, oh, it's going to be so cool. There won't be trouble. Then later on I thought, when the kids are nappy trained, when the final child is nappy trained, it'll be good. Clive, I've got bad news. <laughs> and where I am now, when the kids are through school. Sure. So much less stress. No, don't have to pay school fees. Oh. So I need to ask someone out there, what's the next stage going to be like? Anyone? Not. Oh, when they get married, then it'll be okay. All right. <laughs> then, then I thought, then uh, an idea came to it that maybe if you work for God, maybe like you're in God's world, you, you're working for God. You work for the church. See, Vessi's not here to answer today. Uh, how's, how's the trouble going there? Is it all clean? Is there any trouble? 
You can smile because... <laughs> then I thought, maybe if you were like dead center in God's will, like dead, 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 dead center. God's come to you in a burning bush, told you what to do, and you're a dead center. You're following and you're doing what God asked you to do. Maybe then. I'm afraid today I'm not going to be giving you the five steps on how to have a dilemma-free life. <laughs> I'm afraid today I'm not going to be speaking about the trouble that you're in because you've put yourself there. <laughs> I'm not going to be speaking about the trouble you're in because you ran a red light or were caught lying. Or the $5 you took out of the cash box. The trouble that you're in for that. Or the tax that you haven't paid. Today, I'm talking to you about the dilemma on the narrow road. Or the narrow path. Exodus 5, verses 20 to 23. In this portion of scripture, we find the Israelites approach Moses and Aaron and blame them, blame them for their hard times. Verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon his people? This is why you have sent me. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on his people, and you have not rescued your people. Moses in trouble? How can it be? So at this point, Moses is crying out to God and saying, God, I've left Midian. I've brought my family the whole way here. You asked me to do this. I'm doing what you asked me to do. Things are getting worse. Why haven't you solved the problem? When will you solve the problem? Has Moses done anything wrong? No, he hasn't. He's doing exactly what God asked him to do. God's, Moses is in the center of God's will, forging forward. I don't think he could be more in the center of God's will. Do we find conflict when we're doing things for God? Interesting to know from the, the, the message last week that the trouble that Moses is in was planted by Pharaoh, Satan. So today I've got four points on how to deal with the trouble because we're going to face trouble regardless of where we are. The first point, the God. Exodus chapter 6 verses 1 to 4. Moses is distressed. He cries out to God. And God simply replies and says, I am God. 
I've made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will keep my word. Can I elaborate a little bit? Can I add a little bit on? I'm God of the earth. I made the earth. I made Egypt. I made the Nile. The Nile flows because I send the rain. Pharaoh is alive because I say he can be. I made you. Focus on me. The next point I have is verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 5. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians have enslaved, and have remembered my covenant. Don't you love that word? It's the one word that stood out for me like the whole way through the message. Moreover. As a man of the spanner, I love that word. <laughs> it's simple, it's easy to spell, and it's easy to understand. Thank you, Jesus, for simple words. <laughs> Moreover, furthermore, in addition, on top of that, over and above. So what is God saying here? I am God. I've made a covenant with you. I intend keeping that covenant. And over and above that, I've heard your prayers. It's so important to pray. Next point is the plan. Chapter 6, verses 5 to 7a. God's always got a plan. God's plans are in place before the problem even begins. God's plans don't fail. In this passage, God uses his mighty hand and acts of judgment to make sure his plans come through. There are many things that God can do to make his plans come true. In, in one of the hardest times of my life, a complete stranger came, came to me. And gave me a word. It came at the right time, and it was only six words. Don't let your heart be hardened. This, cha this changed the course of my entire life. Someone who listened to what God had told him to do. And followed through beyond logic. God uses, can use the smallest thing to make this plan come through. The revelation. This to me is the... the, 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 the the best point and the obviously the the ultimate of the whole plan. Verse chapter six, verses seven B. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you through from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
If you are in God's plan, you will come through out of Egypt with a new understanding of who God is and a personal relationship with him. So right, can I challenge you on a couple of things? Well, one thing mainly. If we go through this and you, you, you're looking at it and saying, I haven't seen a burning bush. God hasn't given me a message through a burning bush. I don't have anything directly. There's, a, there's things in the Bible where God has given us a set things to do. Yes, there's also the word that you do get. But if we go through this and we say, okay, right, how about tithe? Is that God wants, what God wants me to do? Yeah. So if we go through that, what would your dilemma be? I don't have enough money to tithe. At a point A, God, the God who created all wealth, has asked you to tithe. Prayer, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this month if I tithe. The plan, God's always got a plan. Listen to hear what God has to tell you. The revelation, when you come through this, at the end of the month, you'll know that God's there. You'll have a new understanding of who God is. Can I throw a couple more words out there? Being involved with the church. Being part of a church. Being part of a church body. Loving your neighbor. Honesty. Patience. In other words, you don't go through your dilemma for nothing. At the end of it, there must be a revelation of who God is in your life. Hallelujah. So stop running away from the dilemma. See God. Hallelujah. Thanks, my brother, Brendan. Thank you. Good message. Right, let's move on to our next speaker because we need to be within our time. She's a lady. And... Uh, I know her to be very, very upright. Sister Lindiwe. Good morning, church. Oh, wow. Thank you for that welcome. Um, thank you, Brendan, for your sharing. Uh, as you know, we're going um, through the book of Exodus. I'm going to come through from just a different angle. Amen. And for me, more than any series we've gone through, the book of Exodus has been speaking to my life directly, encouraging and challenging me. So it has made me um, to really reflect and take a look at myself, at how I respond to God's word, his promises um, in my walk of faith with him. Amen. And Moses, apart from being a type of Christ, represents each of us as believers, called to display God's works and attributes so that only he is glorified, not ourselves. Amen. 
And as Brendan has mentioned that we are looking at chapter 6 today, I'll dwell mainly on verses 2 and 3. They stand out for me. Please let's go back there again. I will read. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Take note of that. Or El Shaddai. But by my name, take note of that as well. Lord, I was not known to them. That is in acts and great miracles. Amen. It seems that God wants us. God wants to reveal himself now through Moses in a way that he hadn't um, revealed himself to the revealed himself to the previous patriarchs, that is his forefathers, to whom he first made the promises and was known as God Almighty. And it appears also that different names that God is known by or promises that he makes to us carry a particular way or personality to demonstrate who he is. With the forefathers, he established the covenant of or promise by making it known to them. That is in verse 4, and it says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which there were strangers. I'm reading on the New King James Version. And now through Moses, he will deliver the Israelites. That is, he will be known as deliverer this time. Amen. So Moses will experience God differently. And this will be a new thing in history. I've learned through the experiences of Moses that to get to know God is whatever he would have promised is a process which keeps teaching us his ways and each step, step unfolds his personality so that you and I will bear full testimony at the end of it all. God still delivered the Israelites even when Moses practically, you all well know, um, and naturally, it was hard and terrifying for him, considering his background, the speech impediment, and Pharaoh's increased hardness of heart and mind. As mentioned earlier, God has a number of names that describe his nature. For example, he is Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. We get this in Genesis 22 verse 14. It reads, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That is in a situation where logically speaking, there's no way the thing that I need can be made available. He wants you and I to trust him. And stand in faith until there is provision. Amen. God also promises peace as Jehovah Shalom. At a time or place when there's division, 
when there's strife, hatred, and conflict. This is in Judges chapter 6, verse 24. It reads, As Gideon built an altar to the Lord, there is... Sorry, I'll go through that again. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in opera of the Abyssalites. I have only mentioned a couple, yet there are many more names uh, that God is, is known by. And it will be an, in accordance with the different situations that we face. I will say a short testimony where God showed himself as Jehovah Rapha, which is taken from Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He said, If you listen carefully to my voice, to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. I'll personalize this because I experienced his hand upon my life. So sometime last year, towards the end of it, I was diagnosed of, um, you can call it a mass, a growth, lesion, or tumor, measuring about 4.2 centimeters by 2.8 centimeters on my liver. I'm sure most of you will agree with me that the first thing that the devil brings to mind is, you are going to die sooner than you even thought. And that was me. It was so scary. I won't mention any uh, many details surrounding the situation, but in the midst of doubt sometimes, the uncomfortable symptoms, the fact that it's chronic and that it could also be cancerous and a possible option of a transplant. I just started declaring the verses that talk about God's healing promises. I would just remind myself now and again that it's by faith and not by sight or feeling. 2 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Then sometime earlier, I said I'll just cut the long story short. Then sometime earlier, I went, to, I went for another scan. Still feeling the discomfort. It was so present, very present. I almost changed my mind when I was supposed to go for the scan the following day. And just get, guess what the result was. I don't want to hear it from here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. My liver was very normal. I even carried my results. Anyone who wants to have a look, you can see them. They are in my handbag. Just like that. I was lying there and just 
declaring God's word. It was just as normal. But you know the devil. He will say maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. And you know, even the doctor will try and have an explanation. But at that time, I was working with my specialist, the physician, to tell you the truth. She had nothing to say. She could not explain it. And that is Jehovah Raphael. Amen. Hallelujah. In conclusion, I want to ask you, what situation are you currently facing now? What is God's name or promise concerning it? And please note that the level of intimacy in our private time spent with him in God and prayer has got to deepen so that he takes you and I step by step to full benefits of the promise. And also, we should avail ourselves as much as possible in our respective positions, uh, conditions, or places for God to spell out what he wants to do. And finally, let's know that ultimately, it is not about you and I, but God being glorified. Amen. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's, let's put God into test. If you have an ailment somewhere on your body, put your hand on it and we pray. Put your hand where the pain is, where the ailment is. Right now, yes. If you have got any ailment or you are believing you have a relative who is sick with something and you know where the ailment is in their body, put your hand on it and we pray. Father God, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, that you are God who heals us. And we have healed us in Christ Jesus by your stripes. And so this morning we declare healing into our bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Sickness go in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you that it is so according to your promises. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Good. Let's hear our last speaker for the day. My brother Tulan, he is coming. Let's appreciate him as he walks up front. Morning, all. My task today should have been the should be the easiest. Amen. Uh, I'm just wrapping up after the wonderful ministry that uh, we've received from um, my brother Brendan and Lindy. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, I was tasked with looking at uh, if, uh, Exodus 6 uh, from verse 14 to 27. It uh, seemed a bit uh, uh, tedious looking at it because it, it, it's the genealogy of Moses and, and Aaron. And as I was looking at it, I was like, oh my God, so-and-so begets so-and-so, then so-and-so, the Shumanite woman and and the like. But God started speaking to me in, in a number of ways there. And there are just three of them. I'm just wrapping up, please. There's just three of them, and I'll be out of your way. Thank you. Uh, the first one 
um, as I was looking at the genealogy, I looked at what genealogy is about. Genealogy is about family. Um, and in this particular case, God wants to do something awesome for the children of Israel. He's taking them out of somewhere, like what uh, Exodus, the, 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 the book that we've been reading, or, or, or the space that we're reading about, where God takes people out of somewhere into somewhere. And God is taking us somewhere and into somewhere. But one of the things that he uses a lot is he uses a family and he uses the family of Moses and Aaron. So genealogy speaks about a family. And in a family, there are many things that get passed on, things like DNA, character, values. That, ladies and gentlemen, is important. So, but, but family is not only just the family that we come from, the, 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 the physical family that we come from, but we are also looking at the spiritual family. Um, ladies and gentlemen, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you come into this family, you are listed in the genealogy of God. Amen. So it's not about what was happening here, where God was setting up the Levitical and the, the, the priesthood order. But it's more about just family. God wants to use a family. God wants to use this spiritual family for something, taking us somewhere, taking the people somewhere, and taking them, uh, taking them from somewhere and taking them somewhere. Amen. And the second point uh, is in verse 26, Exodus chapter 6, verse 26 where God says, these are the same Aaron, Moses, Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. Wow, God speaks to these people as an army now. He's referring to this family as an army. What happens in an army? God is likening the, the, this family to an army. The word used there, the Hebrew word used there, is the word Tzaba Tzaba. Tzaba Tzaba. Now, this talks about a body or an, a, a, a body of persons organized to advance a course. That's what an army is. God is likening this family to an army. And what are some of the things, the attributes that are passed on in an army? Things like discipline things like rank, uh, things like fight for each other or fight for one another, support one another. That's what a spiritual family should be doing. I watched a movie some time ago where soldiers had gone to war and they were fighting for each other. But one of, when one of them got injured, this, this person had to was fighting and trying to escape from the enemy. He had to carry the injured uh, uh, partner out of the, the trouble zone. That is what our family, KCC, or any Christian family, that's what we should be doing with each other. Fighting, supporting, and carrying each other through crises. I like what Brendan said, where someone came with a word. That was a word that supported him through one of the crises that he was going through. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we are part of this army. You are in an army as you are sitting there. Onward Christian soldier marching as to war. We used to sing that song at, 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 at high school some, some time ago, a while ago. And the last... <laughs> Do not be fooled by this young face here. And the last point, which is the third, third and final, is the way God mentions each and every name. Some of the names, if you look through, were part of the names that went into the priesthood. Some of them, we see them later on in the Bible, uh, along the lines of the Levitical order. But some of the, actually, he mentions each and every name. Some of the names, we don't hear them. But some of the names, we come across them. This brought me to this beautiful scripture um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. I'll just pick out some of them, but this is a beautiful uh, uh, scripture. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members, that one body being many, are, are one body, so also is Christ. For by, this, by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Hebrew or whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is one member. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And he goes on and he says, if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is that, is that, is that right? So, ladies and gentlemen, as we look at all these names, some who went into the Levitical order, they were all one body, one family that had to advance a cause. Whether hand or, or, or eye or ear or whatever, it was one that went right through to advance a certain cause. Brothers and sisters, as we are here as a family, we are all significant. One of the things that I see here is God actually, in as much as we're celebrating the many voices in this church, God is actually celebrating his people. Ladies and gentlemen, God celebrates you as part of his body. You are special. You are very special. You are, you are significant to this family. Whether you are in Asha, whether you are in the music team, whether you are just was someone who encourages people. We need you in this family. We need you in this army. You are an integral part of this army. And as I wrap up, just two, three things. Be part of a spiritual family. Belong to a spiritual family. You need a spiritual family. Number two, find your part or find your, your role in this family. It is open, find your role. Whether you are an ear, whether you are a hand, whether you are an usher, whether you are an encourager, find your role in this family. And last but not least, embrace and celebrate being part of this body. This is a wonderful body. Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I'm special. For you, you are special. My brother Brendan reminded us of the narrow path. 
The Bible says in narrow is the path that leads to life. And wider is the path that leads to destruction. And this narrow path has a lot of dilemmas, like you say, a lot of challenges. I think we need to rethink our positions as Christians. Whoever told us that when you are a child of God, you shall not face hardships, cheated you. Jesus says in this world, in this life, you shall have tribulation. You, you born again, you born of God, you full of the spirit of God. So don't be afraid of the challenges. Hallelujah. God's work or calling or assignment will bring a lot of challenges to you. Not because he hurts you or he's trying to test you, but because that's the way, that's the pathway. Hallelujah. All you need to do is to trust in him, focus on him, and you get the things done. The challenge is you want to be praised by men more than God. So let's refocus. Thank you, my brother. The dilemma of the narrow path. My sister, Lynn Dewey, gave us a beautiful scenario of who God is, revealing himself to different people in different ways. And of course, revealing to her by touching and healing her liver. A powerful testimony there. But I need us to understand also, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible says in the past, he spoke to people through prophets. But now he has spoken through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in Jesus Christ, God has revealed the whole of himself to you. They knew God by bits and pieces, this and that, as he revealed himself to them. But you and me are the highly favored of the Lord. And that he has revealed the whole of who he is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. So in Christ Jesus, you and me have the whole Godhead. It's all fullness. Nothing is missing. Nothing is left. If you want to know God, know Jesus. If you want to see God, see Jesus. And you guys, Jesus has been revealed to you. Meaning that you have the whole of God. He does everything you can imagine or desire in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So you have God. Stop this religious argument that I don't know God. Excuse me, when you are in Christ, you know God. And Jesus says, if you see me, you see the Father. So if you know Jesus, you know the Father. You know God. Talk to your neighbor and say, you know God. Don't be cheated. Don't be cheated by the enemy. Don't be deceived by Satan. You know God because you have Christ. And Christ is the express image of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, my sister, for that. He is the Lord. Then my brother has just summed it up all. We are the family of God here. Revelations chapter 5. Is it chapter 5? Yes. The Bible says he purchased us with his blood from every people group, from every tribe, from every nation, from every language, and has made us kings and priests unto God. We family. <clears throat> but 
by God from different genealogies, from different backgrounds, so that at the end of the day, when we look back, I am a moyo, but I don't belong to them anymore, but to Christ. Do you see that? So we are a family of God, not born of the flesh, not born of the desire of men or the passions of men, but born of the Spirit of God. Born of God. We are that family together here. A diverse family. A beautiful family. Beautiful family. Speaking various languages. yeah, Looking differently, but one in faith and in the Spirit. Thanks, my brother, for that. And he also said we are in an army of God. There is no army under heaven as fierce as this army, as dangerous as this army. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We fight a war that no other army can fight. Think of the most dangerous army in the world. Could it be the USA? I'm not sure. Could it be Israel army? I'm not sure. Could it be Russians? They've been proved not to be the ones in Ukraine. Could it be whoever? Listen to me very carefully. No army beats this army. Whose captain and commander is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Our weaponry is horrible. Terrible. The word of God. The blood of Jesus. Our love for one another. Our unity. The cause of the kingdom. Because we are advancing the cause of the kingdom. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm -mm. It's, it's not like any other kingdom. So this is who we are, ladies and gentlemen. If we could allow the revelations of God this morning to filter and penetrate, or using, using my brother's word this morning, to prickly our hearts, I can assure you, if God is for us, who can be against us? What is it that can stand against us if God be for us? Nothing. Disease? No, no. Suffering? No, no. Famine? No, no. Death? No, no. What can stand against you and me? Nothing. When you appear, every knee bows because you mention the name above all names, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you have the permission from heaven to use that name. And when you call on that name, everything must scatter. Everything must come to order. Everything must bow because you have the permission and the authority to use that name. So use the name family. That's our family name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Once more, thank you very much uh, to the speakers. I think we are full of gifts in the house. Hello. Next time is going to be you. Are you ready? Yes. Next time is going to be you. I hope you are ready. Let's wrap this up with partaking of communion this morning. That's what the family of God does. We come together. We partake of the communion because it reminds us of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We break bread 
which symbolizes his body that was broken for you and me on Calvary. And by his stripes we are healed and we were healed. Hallelujah. And we drink of that cup which symbolizes his blood that washes away our sins, that cleanses us, that justifies us, that qualifies us. And because of the blood of Jesus, you qualify for the kingdom's glory and kingdom's inheritance, wealth, and everything else. Don't allow anything to disqualify you. So this morning, let's partake of the communion. And after the communion, you are free to go. Let's fellowship, let's love one another. But before we partake, let's bow our heads and pray. Our Lord and our God, this morning, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the gift eternal. Thank you. There is no other gift that you will give us except Jesus Christ. And this morning, we receive and embrace that gift, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Father, even as we partake of the communion this morning, we remember nothing else but our master dying that we shall live, giving us his life, Lord, that we may live long lives, beautiful lives. We thank you for the blood that has cleansed us. We thank you that we are kings and priests unto you this morning by the reason of the blood. We thank you that even as we partake of the communion, Lord, your spirit is bringing us together as one, one family of God, one army of God, a royal priesthood. Lord, a generation that we have called for yourself. We give you praise this morning, even as we commit the whole week into your hands. May we live differently. And may we come with testimonies of your goodness of our lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen.